some of the things uh, these days, in these last few weeks or so, uh, that I like to look into a lot is um, words. Uh, a lot of these words being thrown around and we have no clue where they come from. And I like words. I like to look into what they mean and such. And one of the words really being thrown around is the word quarantine. Now, I realize there's, there's a specific word in there, the, the word quarant. And I grew up in a French school, right? The, usually that's like 40. So I thought, do they have any kind of connection with each other? And interestingly, they do. Quarantine comes from the word 40 days from Italian. How ironic and fitting, <laughs> right? Uh, but uh, yeah, it was very interesting when I looked into that. So uh, Mark chapter 9, verse 17 to 22 all right, it says, And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answered, answereth him, and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed fo uh, foaming. And he, answered, uh, and he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Before we keep going, I'd like to open up a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, that you gave us today. Thank you for giving us strength, wisdom, and just your grace, your mercy that are always renewed every morning. Thank you, Lord, that we can gather in here. We're not, uh, we're not banned from still gathering. But I pray, Father, that... Uh, you would speak to us, speak to our hearts, everyone that, that's going to be hearing these two partly, part messages. I pray, Father, that you would work in their hearts and help them and help me as well. Speak through me, Lord. Uh, let me be a channel. And I pray that you would be honored and glorified through this. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Never lose faith over fear. In our text, what we're seeing is that um, in chapter 8, we have Peter. He got rebuked by Jesus Christ for having spoke out of line. He said, uh, he said to Christ that uh, all the things about the crucifixion were not going to happen. Christ told him, uh, get thee behind me, Satan. And Peter, that was one of the worst things that you know, you could, uh, he could have ever gotten as a comment from the Savior. But then... Uh, he started talking to a crowd in verse 34 of chapter 8. And he, as he was feeding the crowd and such, later on, he moves on to say, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? 
And the thing is, those, the sayings keep on going. Christ kept preaching. But the thing is, the things that Christ was saying are, were becoming sharper and sharper and harder and harder for people to kind of comprehend. They were having a harder and harder time to swallow. And so the crowd that was at somewhere around 4,000 started to diminish. And then you have this smaller crowd. The smaller crowd from Peter, James, and John. And so Christ decides he's going to take them to this mount. And sure enough, on this mount, we call it the Mount of Transfiguration, right? They get to see Christ in his glorified, the glorified version of Christ and in all his glory. And they also see Moses and Elijah. And sure enough, Peter blurts out again, let's make tabernacles for them. What a great idea. And then they hear the voice of God say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, right? So, finally they come off this mountain. And you can see these disciples. The other disciples. The, the nine other. And they're having trouble casting out a demon. We know that they were able to already cast out demons. But at this point, they're having trouble. And so Jesus asks the crowd, and specifically the scribes, what's going on? What are these question, uh, questions you're asking these, uh, these disciples? And someone from that crowd speaks up. I brought my son, which hath a dumb spirit. Now we're told that the disciples were able to, but they weren't able to cast out this demon specifically. And you can imagine what's actually happening with this crowd they were already filled with fear. But not only that, the disciples, the fact that the disciples weren't able to cast out this demon probably added to the fear factor. Right? What will happen to this boy? Perhaps doubts were starting to fill this crowd. This, the psychology of this whole crowd was starting to become more and more fearful. What will happen to the parents? What's going to happen to these disciples? I thought these disciples had powers. What happened to those powers? Are they gone? Is God not with us anymore? And now you see, as Christians today who are reading this story, we actually get to see a glimpse of the true battle, the real battlefield. I want to remind you, we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The issue is not COVID-19. The issue wasn't SARS. The issue wasn't cancer. The issue wasn't some virus that started hundreds of years ago. The issue is still sin. The issue has always been sin. Now, what we see here is that this demon who was in the boy was winning the battle, right? This battle that was spiritual is being won by the demon because this whole crowd is fearful. This fear was starting to fill up the dad. Perhaps the dad had gotten to that point of hopelessness, you know, where he's thinking, we've tried everything with my son. You don't understand Disciples, you don't understand. Every time we have to go cooking, we have to make sure that our son is taken care of, that he's 
kept aside so that he doesn't jump into the fire. Every time we need to take a bath, we have to make sure that our son is taken care of. Somebody's watching him so that he doesn't jump into the water and then he doesn't drown. We got to make sure all these things are taken care of. We've tried everything possible. Everything? And perhaps they had come to that point where they had stopped and they had given up on looking for hope. Perhaps that is why Jesus said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? See, after everything that these people could have done, nothing worked, but not a single one clued in that the issue was out of their hands, but not out of God's hands. Often people lie to themselves thinking they're in despair and that they've tried everything humanly possible when the first person they should have ever asked was God for the answer. Perhaps they should have looked to God. I'm sure a lot of you have social media. And every time you open it up, every time you turn on your TV, unless you had Netflix on. But if your time you turn on your TV, something about what's going on out there, coronavirus, COVID-19, all these things are just hitting you and hitting you. And they're always talking about how, uh, how everyone is buying things, like it's the end of the world or something. And then you go to the supermarket, you can't find certain things, certain items, because it feels like it's the end of the world. Let's not forget who saved us as Christians. We have a God who gave manna to millions and millions of people in a desert. In a desert. Right? So, let's not forget who this God is that we serve in the first place. Who is the one who saved us? We who were in a state of hopelessness, God is the one who came and he stretched out his hand and he saved us from sin. Not that we can do anything, but God is the one who did it for us. He came to us. We did not go to him. We see an omnipotent God. Fear is contagious. Fear tries to snuff out faith. Let's never lose faith while over fear. And thing is, even to us, for us today, yes, in your life, maybe you are going through certain things. Maybe it's not this virus, but other things. I hope it's not this virus, if you're here especially. But maybe you are going through certain things, and certain news is starting to distress you. Maybe certain fears are taking place in your life. Every morning, when you're alive, problems will come. That's just how it works. Yes, certain solutions seem to be that you've tried everything. You've tried everything. Every solution that you can possibly think of, you've tried and you've failed. And yes, God could be the only, God could be the one allowing it in your life too. But let us never be like the world and cease to look to Jesus Christ for our solutions. I have this small story here. Seven-year-old Abby Ramos woke with a fever. Her grandmother, Alicia Rodriguez, 
walked her into a Texas Panhandle emergency room. Almost immediately, the complications arose. Abby had trouble breathing. Doctors had to intubate her. I think that's a medical term. Within seven hours, Abby's life changed. Abby had become brain damaged. Doctors say because the intubation air tube went to her stomach, not to her lungs. Her brain was deprived of much needed oxygen. Medical studies indicate Abby's misplaced tube was not an, uh, an isolated catastrophe. Paramedics and emergency doctors can initially misintubate anywhere from 12 to 50% of their patients. Hundreds of thousands of people that probably could have been saved have died needlessly because we didn't realize where the tube was, says Dr. Corey Slovis who runs the emergency department at Vanderbilt University Medical Center in Nashville, Tennessee. Good doctors and good paramedics have made bad mistakes and not realized it, Slovis says. Sometimes it's that with all the noise, all the excitement, everything else that's going on, you don't realize that you're in the wrong location. And sometimes you can't tell where the tube is. Abby's story is just one of hundreds, experts say where tragedy might have been avoided with proper intubation. And if that's not enough, consider this. Nearly all of these misintubations, doctors add, could have been prevented. In fact, Salt Lake City doctor Tim Wolf found that something as simple as $6 suction devices could determine whether the tube was in the right place. Once squeezed, if the bulb does not refill with air, the intubation is not working. Dr. Wolf designed and markets one of these devices today. Another, more common one, measures car uh, carbon dioxide. If the lungs are producing carbon dioxide, the intubation is good. But amazingly, Dr. Wolf says the majority of emergency rooms across the country don't use them. Why? Some doctors and paramedics say they cost too much, $6. Others say they're not necessary, that good medical judgment is enough. What this comes down to is hubris, sinful pride, Slovis says. I know that I can intubate. I know where that tube is. The problem with being wrong is it won't hurt my pride, but it might kill somebody. See, the thing is, we know where the answer is. As, even as Christians, we know where the answer is. It's not in the doctors. We know it's not in you know, the news. It's not with our politicians. We know where the answer is. It's with Christ. It's with God. We know that. These Israelites, at this moment, they had done everything that was humanly possible except to look for God. Perhaps they dismissed the issue as, oh, God created him that way, so he must be able to uh, live his life the way he was created. If he was supposed to be born as a normal child, he would have been born a normal child. Everyone else considers him dead. Grace Baptist Church, I'd like to remind you, to live is to have problems. But for these problems, we have a God who has an answer. He always has an answer. And we try to stretch our faith. We're praying for uh, the building on 104. And the truth is, we don't have the money for it, in case you didn't clue in. But... Another thing is, 
If you notice, I don't even think we can afford that building if every single one of us sold everything we had. I don't think we can still afford it. Because it's not meant to be something that we can come up with a solution for. It has always been something only God can answer for us. Perhaps you have problems. Perhaps you have unsaved friends. Perhaps you have unsaved families. Uh, family members. You can't save them. Only God can save them. We need to look to God for some of these issues, for most of our issues, actually. Don't lose faith for fear. Amidst what is going on around the world today, there are blessings also. And don't forget that. We ought to be always thankful. One of the beautiful things about having a viral epidemic is that more and more people are looking for God now. While our soul winners are out in, throughout the city and we're giving out flyers, as pastors who are staying in the, in the church throughout the week, we're getting more and more phone calls from people who have never heard about Jesus Christ. Phone calls because they have gotten flyers in their mailboxes. More and more people are asking questions because many religions, they may be great religions, but they don't deal with the end times. But Christianity does. God does talk about what will happen in the end. God does, happen, uh, do, God does talk about what will happen after somebody passes away. See, there are good things that can happen also from these little things that we call curses on, in our lives. God can bring blessings. So, God gave us problems in such a time as this, or allowed problems in such a time as this. But I think we ought to look for him more often now. In 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The opposite of a faithless generation is a faithful generation. And in every sense of that word, we ought to be filled with faith more in these days. But also, we ought to start seeking God and trusting Him and keep doing that more and more often every day. Okay, so thank you, Pastor Devian, for that introduction. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, uh, so Pastor White has given us the opportunity to speak, uh, speak um, like two messages. It's not just a full sermon in some way, but um, I, I just want to thank for the privilege of this. I'll be talking about this afternoon of facing up our unbelief. And it's also, we don't have to read the passage because we have read it already in Mark chapter 9, verses 14 to 29, if you can open there and go there also. And I will ask one question in the congregation. And uh, really, um, there's a statement that we, uh, there's a, a quote that it says, time is an excellent 
teacher. And I don't, you know, I can, I can relate into that, but I believe that God is our excellent teacher, right? And so I would like to ask a question uh, in your congregation. Um, I'm looking, some of you is like, oh no, I might be uh, called. But don't worry, I already uh, prepared this and I asked uh, three of our people here in your congregation to answer a um, simple question, okay? So the question is, uh, um, now I forgot, okay. What have you learned, what have you learned, um, a good lesson that you have learned uh, as a Christian in 2019? So we're not talking about 2020. Um, so what you have learned in the past, a good lesson that you will learn in the past, uh, in the past year, okay? So I would uh, call first uh, Brother Rob, okay? So um, can, you tell us, can you tell us what's the good lesson that you have learned back in 2019? Yeah, that's a good lesson. Um, some of us would probably like, um, you know, like freak out right away. <laughs> something like that but to be calm in every conversation is a good um, testimony that we can uh, you know give or we can show to to others especially not just in a Christian uh, Christian but also to the unsaved um, another one um, I'd like to ask uh, Miss Roman um, tell us what you have learned uh, in the past uh, past year or what God you know brought lesson to you Yep, so that's a good lesson also that we can learn about prayer. Um, prayer speaks of like our dependence to God. It's not to do things in our own way because we have a tendency to do our own way. And first thing that we can do as a Christian is to always go to God the first uh, day, uh, first hour of our day. Okay, and also the last one, um, Brother Lance, if you can tell us, um, what lesson that you have learned uh, in the past year? Yeah, amen. Yeah, so that's a good uh, lesson as well. Um, for me, as a, as a Christian, well, we, it's a good way always to um, evaluate ourselves yearly in such a way that you can see yourself progressing because that's the will of God in, in our lives, to grow in our faith, to, to live closer with Him, and for me, one of the great lessons that I've learned uh, in the past year is I had lots of things to grow in my faith. That's, um, I can honestly say, say that to you. Um, we are a family here. And sometimes, uh, most of the time, we are tried in our faith. And when that time comes, our faith will really reveal what kind of faith we have. And for those um, in the past year, that's one thing that, in, and I think, or some of you can relate to me as well, that you know, we have a lot of faith, we have a lot of growing in our faith that needs to be done. So all of us have probably on, now in a situation wherein you can say that you've been closer to God, right? So if you look back, the time that you got saved and the time you are right now here on this uh, pre uh, present day that you can say to yourself that um, I'm closer to God than I've ever been before. And God will, 
uh, God's will will uh, for our lives is to, uh, I told you that it's for us to grow in our relationship with Him. And, and if we are not growing uh, in our relationship with God, or if, you, if we can see our life being stagnant in our Christian faith or spiritually, uh, that's not the will of God in our lives. And if you are seeing uh, that indication in your spiritual life, uh, maybe you can, you know, come to God and call Him about, about that. However, however, even you've realized that even um, we can say that we are now closer to God than we are yesterday, there are times that we are not aware of our spiritual failure. Um, it may sound paradox, uh, paradoxically to you, but... Um, it is true that even we are now in a closer relationship with God, we can still have that doubt. We can still have that unbelief that we have. And we'll just consider, just consider the statement of a man, especially in verse, uh, verse 24 of chapter 29. You're there already, Mark chapter 9, verse 24. And we are told in the story that there's a man... Um, that has a son who has a problem with the dumb spirit. And you can see here in verse 24, the word of God says, And straightway the father of a child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Now what an interesting statement it is because he told to Jesus Christ, he believed in Jesus Christ. He believed in him. But after that statement, right away he said, Lord, help thou mine unbelief. Um, we don't know. We don't know if this person uh, was uh, saved or not. It's hard to tell in the passage. Um, yet this, it's, he, summarized, he summarized in one sentence what is possibly the greatest obstacle to our spiritual growth and answer to prayer in no, in Christian life. Do you know what it is? It is unbelief. It is unbelief. Unbelief is, is uh, in, in the Bible it tells us that unbelief, any unbelief is anything not done in faith is what? Is sin. And that's one of the struggles that many Christians struggled uh, in growing in their spiritual life. Um, many Christians would um, fail to go to God because of lack of faith. And answered, there's a lot of unanswered prayer because of lack of faith. Now this man was saying, in, in essence, um, you can see here that although he believed in what Jesus was able to do, he was still contending with doubts. He was still contending with unbelief. He was, and, and you can see that he faced up his unbelief. He, he, he did not try to um, you know, put it uh, underground or try to hide it, but he's honestly speaking it that he has an unbelief. And because he faced up to his lack of faith, he experienced, in this story, he experienced a great blessing in his life. Now, do you want God to bless your life as well, right? Uh, me as well. God, I, I want God to bless my life. And that's why 
when we face our unbelief and not just to hit it and not just to trying to pretend that, oh, I have a great faith. But instead, facing that unbelief would probably give us an experience that you've been waiting for. And the statement, um, the statement here uh, made by this desperate man reveals to us a great truth. That the best way to get faith is to admit that we don't have it. This man, is, man was willing to admit that though he believed, he needed to believe even more. So let's examine the statement. I would like to talk about the statement here. Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. And we can notice three, of, we can notice three um, uh, principles here or truths about this statement. Number one is it is a statement of a complete honesty. Now right away he go to God and cried out that he, though he believed to God, Jesus Christ, he has a problem of unbelief. One of the commentators says um, that this statement is expressed, expresses the dilemma that even those who believe can be nagged by doubts and hopelessness. And if you'll be honest and be honest to myself as well, we struggle sometimes of unbelief, right? We struggle of fear. We struggle of, of doubts that really can God do these things for me, for my life? Can God really do these things in the church? Now, this man is, was honest with the Lord, and he faced his problem of unbelief. Uh, you know, you can imagine he probably saying, yes, Lord, I believe in what you can do. And then he said, I think, I think. Or, Lord, I believe in your power. At least I want to believe in your power. That's probably what he's uh, trying to think. Um, we can criticize him about his uh, unbelief, but at least he is honest about it. He is not trying to hide it from God because basically we can't hide anything from God, right? You can, you can lie to yourself, but God, sh God sees your heart. And what good it would have done him to claim a complete and perfect faith that he did not have. You see, Jesus already knows the strength and weaknesses of our faith. Each of us here has actually the, um, different measures of faith, right? And we know that we are all, um, if you are saved, we are probably in, you know, different also in years, how many years we are in being a Christian. And for that span, each of us here have different also measure of maturity of faith. Right? It's not that uh, one size fits all. Right? Every single one of us here have, have much faith. Every, um, probably some of us here have lesser faith. And some of us are, are in the midsection or something like that. I, I don't know. I don't know about your faith. But God knows your strength and weaknesses, and how, how strong or how weak your faith in the sight of God. God knows about it. And the disciples, you can see here, the disciples had to learn over and over again about faith. Just reading in Mark 
uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you can see that the disciples need to learn over and over and over again about faith. Um, they weren't as strong in their faith as they pretended to be in the scripture here. They tried to, I'm not sure, I'm, I'm not really sure if they they really say that, oh, I have great, great faith here. I can, I can um, heal this uh, son, the son of this man. I'm not sure about it. Uh, but uh, you can see that this man's, man's son was the case in point. That the disciples were unable to help him. And that's why Jesus Christ told, him, uh, told them, O oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him, bring him unto me. Uh, we can learn a lesson here that we need to be aware and honest of our doubts and unbelief before God. You know, let's just face it. You know, if you have unbelief, come to God and declare it to Him. Because either way, whether you say it to God or not, He knows that you have unbelief. He knows that you have struggling, or if you are struggling with doubts or fears in your life. But, you need to be, but we need to be honest going to God in prayer. Now listen, even great, great Christians have times of doubts, have times of unbelief. You know, it doesn't matter uh, if you are, um, you know, strong in the faith or weak in the faith. As a human, as a, um, you know, human as we are, we struggle this unbelief. Now, if you go to Matthew, um, you don't have to go there. But if you try to read Matthew 11, verses 1 to 6, there's a man there named, you know, in chapter 11, John the Baptist. You know what happened to him? He speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? He can, he preach, he is the one that prepares the way of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's crying out, repent. Okay, and he's calling to people to repent. But uh, time, time come, time came that he was in prison. He was in prison. And then in Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 to 6, um, we can see that John the Baptist had a, had a bout with doubt. He has a struggle also and and he asked his disciples to ask jesus christ is he really the one is he really the one that we have been long awaited for him it's it's that's not the 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 right uh, words i'm just paraphrasing it but you can see in his trials he had a doubt that if he's really the 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 son of god the messiah that we have been long awaited that they've been long awaited for. But Jesus Christ did not condemn him for it. Um, instead, Jesus Christ reassured him, reassured him that he is the one. He is the one that they've been long awaited for. We likewise, as Christians, have lapses in our faith. We have sin of unbelief. Like, for example, it is true, God, are you real? Do you care about me? You, can you really protect me in coronavirus? Right? Can, can God really? I think it's a rhetorical question. I guess God can. And if he, uh, he allows these things in our lives, for sure he has a good reason for it. 
um, you know, and if a person have, have, uh, have a coronavirus, does God really care about that person? Yes, he do. And you can see that throughout the scripture. Will, you, will he take care of you and me in time of this crisis? Yes, he can. And probably when you, you're, we can ask, if you, if you care about me, God, why did you let this, uh, you, why did you let this happen to me? You know, those questions and, and um, things that we can uh, ask of God about on and on of our situation. F.B. Mayer um, code a, a set of a statement like this, unbelief puts our circumstances between God, between God and us. But faith puts God between us and our circumstances. That's a great um, uh, statement there. We don't, want, we, don't, we don't always want to exercise our faith, but God wants us to grow in our faith. And that's why I believe that sometimes he allows difficulties, he allows trials. Now this case of uh, COVID-19 for us, for us to exercise our faith. And that's one of the reasons I believe that he allows these things. But we don't want to be, we don't want to exercise our faith like, um, have you, like what Pastor White said last Sunday in his sermon. He mentioned that there's a man hanging on the cliff, right? And he's standing there hanging on the cliff and he said, Anyone up there? Something like that. Anyone up there? Um, so we don't want to exercise that kind of faith because that's foolishness as well. Right? It's not faith anymore. Much more, we don't want to pretend that we have great faith if we have not that kind of faith. Um, I remember there's like a story that was told to me. Um, this actually I was imagining before I, I wrote this in, 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 in the sermon. I, I was imagining that Pastor Ramos is, uh, you know, told this to you guys, but I don't know. <laughs> uh, there's a, you know, in the Philippines, there's, there's one thing, um, it's a superstitious belief that, that uh, every, every uh, uh, let me <laughs> explain this. Uh, every uh, person, if you are, you believe in superstitions, um, every uh, born child, have this like something around their waist. They wrap them around their waist, and that's for them to. They said, "Oh, to to help to help prevent you know from from sickness or evil spirits and something like that." So, <laughs> and then come there. This this pastor uh, was preaching about faith and challenged the congregation, but he um, he has something in here also. <laughs> and uh, he was preaching, you know, preaching pretty hard about faith. You know, we had to put our faith, our trust in the Lord, you know, because that's what matters, that we have faith in God. When we raised this, because he's wearing a barong, he raised, when he raised it, um, one of the members sitting in, the, in, the, in front, like, saw that he has like this. And then, and then the, the, the one guy there say, Pastor, what's that? And he said, just in case. Okay, you know, <laughs> just in case. 
sometimes we, we, are in, we find ourselves in that situation wherein, yes, I believe in God. I believe in God. But I said, you know, just in case, Lord, you know, I have this. I have this. But it's not a genuine faith. It's not actually trusting the Lord. You're basically trusting on that thing. But God wants us to put our trust in him, on Him and Him alone. You know, so, um, so we see that there's a statement of complete honesty. I want to wrap up all here. And we can see also that it is a serious concern. It's not just a statement of a complete honesty, but it is also a statement of serious concern. Why did a man make such a forthright statement? He made it because he was concerned. He was concerned that he has this lack of faith that he's been struggling in his life. So in other words, he identified the problem. And there's a joke that it says, uh, you know, you have to face your problem. But how can you face a problem if your problem is your face? Right? <laughs> um, it's a joke, actually. You know, you, you can, you're free to laugh. Um, but, um, but, you know, um, we had to identify that we have a problem of unbelief. And we have to be honest to God. So with this, he knew that he must had a measure of trust in Christ. But he wanted to make it stronger. He wanted to, to, to make that unbelief really eliminate in his life. He wanted to make uh, more, uh, to grow more in his faith. Um, in verse 20, um, Jesus actually mildly rebuked this guy. And if you can see in verse 22, he comes to God and he said, by, in, the, in the later part here, but if thou canst do anything. Now that's nonsense. Telling Jesus Christ, God, Lord of Lords, um, he has the power, all the things. It's like, if canst thou do anything, have compassion on us and help us. As again, we have that question, does really does God, is God really had compassion to us and can really help us? Yes, that's a rhetorical question already. And so, God also, Jesus Christ also responded to him, if thou canst believe. You know, basically he's telling, you need to believe. You need to believe. You need to have, have your faith. It's just basically saying, what is wrong with your faith? Now, can you believe? Can't you believe? Um, where is your faith? No, I can't help but uh, think that perhaps Jesus is saying the same thing in our lives. Where is your faith? Why isn't your faith where it needs to be? So God wants us to put our trust in him. And God shows, God shows me over and over again, as I told you, that I need more faith. I have faith in him, but I need more. I want to increase my faith, and I do believe, I, I do believe it, but I need help with my unbelief as well. Um, Andrew Murray, if you know him, one of greatest, uh, you know, I, I should say prayer warrior, um, he said, pray, beware in your prayers above everything else of limiting God, not only by unbelief, but by fancying that you can know what he can do. Expect unexpected things above all that we ask 
or think. Each time before you intercede, be quiet first and worship God in His glory. Think of what He can do and how He delights to hear the prayers of His redeemed people. Think of your place and privilege in Christ and expect great things. Now, if you ask yourself, do you believe that God can do unexpected things in your life? Sure, He can. And I believe that as well. And that's why don't limit God in your prayers. Don't limit God in the things that He can do. And just try to tell God, Lord, this is what you need to do, this, 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 this. No, because God, you can really see that God can do a lot of things as well. Now, so we can see that it is a statement a statement of complete honesty. It is a statement of serious concern. But lastly, we can see here, it is a statement of earnest desire. Did you notice how this man made the statement of Jesus? Now in verse 24, let's go back there. And straightway the father of a child cried out. It's not just a statement, I should say. But it is, a, it, it is this picture of a father in a desperation Situa- a desperate situation wherein he cried out and with tears he cried out to the Lord and this is probably there, there is probably no feeling of desperation so intense as a parent who cannot help his child you know I'm, I'm not a parent yet but a lot of you here probably would agree with me that if you're if you can see your child struggling, you know, you see your son, your daughter struggling, and let's just say you can't do anything about his situation, really you're in that des- desperate moment wherein you can say, Lord, I need help. I need help. And that's why this man is, can you imagine just if you read verse 17? If you read verse 18, we don't have a time to go there. If you read verse 20, if you read verse 22 of that same passage, you know, can you imagine his son was being lacerated and foamed, and, um, foamed at the mouth like a rabid animal? And if you can see, he, he wants to throw himself because of that spirit, dumb spirit, he wants to throw himself in the fire, he wants to throw himself on, 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 um, in the water. And you can see he had no power to do anything. But listen, when we are in most desperate, then the truth will come out. Right? Um, there's a statement that our genuine faith reveals when situation comes. But the good news is when we face our unbelief, when we admit when we admit it to God, that gives us, that gives God room to do only what He can do. Right? There's a statement that if we admit that we are nothing, then God can do everything. God can do everything in our life. Notice what Jesus did, or we can say He did not do to this man. Um, Jesus Christ did not say, sorry, you don't have enough faith, right? You, you cannot see there in the passage. He didn't say also, gather up more faith and come back later. Can you imagine if you're praying like that? 
if you're coming to God and then say, um, I can see your heart. It's not a matter of a lot of faith. Come back later if you have lots of faith. No, he didn't, he didn't do that. He didn't say also, oh, I'm sorry, but a miracle can only happen if you have a certain quota of faith. He didn't say that at all. But you can see Jesus simply cast the demon out because he, he had that compassion. He, he knew. He knew that he needed help. He needed help. Now, if we are to grow in, uh, in, in Christ, you know, in, in our future, in the days to come, or whatever time God gives us, we have got to realize it is quite possible that we do not trust, we do not trust the Lord as much as we would like to think we do. You know, the best, the best thing we could possibly do is stand before the Lord and say from the bottom of our hearts, I believe, Lord, but please help me with my unbelief. That's a forthright statement that you can, we can say in the sight of God. You know, we'll close this story. Um, no, it's an um, illustration. How many of you know African impala? Impala. An impala? Okay. It's a kind of a deer. Um, it's an African, uh, specifically an African impala. You know, he's uh, three and a half feet tall, that um, animal there. But it can jump nine feet high in the air. Okay? Nine feet high in the air. Yet, did you know, it's a trivia, <laughs> did you know that any zoo can keep the impala confined to a yard with a stone wall only four feet high? They can confine him. And the impala will not jump like that. Why? Because the impala will never jump anywhere. Will never jump anywhere unless it can see the place where his feet will land. That's the only thing that he will jump if he has a place to land. It's also the same with our faith. You know, in order for our faith to be real and for our faith to grow, it must rest on something. And you know what, what it is? That's the word of God. You know, God has given us, gave us a lot of promises in the scripture. And when we face trials, persecutions, struggles in life, the word of God just stand here. And we can live as much, as high as we can if we put our trust in God. But first, we should admit to God that we have a problem of unbelief. Then we ask God for it. And we think of, you know, to grow in our faith. Um, in verse 29, it's interestingly that it's linked. Our faith is actually linked to here in verse 29, and he said unto them, this can, Jesus Christ said unto his disciples, this, can own, this kind can come forth by nothing, but by prayer and fasting. Our faith, not just to rest on the promises of God, but also to spend time in him in prayer and in fasting. I will direct I will give now the time to Pastor Jake.